welcome to our World Series podcast at Litro. In today's episode, we are traveling to Japan. But this time, we are not taking you to Tokyo, the city where Shinto shrines hide among shiny skyscrapers, or to the serene Kyoto, brimming with ancient temples and Momiji, its famous red maples. Instead, we are taking you to a unique place that you have probably never heard of, the Art Island also known as the Naoshima Archipelago. Along with us will come award-winning author Pico Ayer. Born in Oxford, he moved to the States in his youth, but has been calling Japan home for over 20 years. So stay with us while we journey and talk about art, nature, isolation and communication in these times of COVID-19. The reason I went from busy New York City to Japan was I wanted a kind of lockdown. Um, so when I was uh, living in New York City in my 20s, I had an apartment on the 11th floor on Park Avenue. Even on the 11th floor, I could hear the traffic all night. And my office was on the 25th floor, four blocks from Times Square. So it was about being in the middle of the world. And there were, in those days, telex machines juddering the latest news through the day in this busy newsroom. Everything was in motion. We were keeping up with the latest events, cars roaring around. So I, I, it was right for when I was in my 20s and I wanted to think this is what it is to be in the center of the world. Uh, and then when I moved to Kyoto with the monastery in mind, I really wanted to explore silence and solitude and not going anywhere at all. And of course, chosen lockdown is very different from compulsory lockdown. But it's true that having chosen that lockdown of a sort 33 years ago was a way of preparing myself for this strange moment, a way of preparing myself for death, a way of, of, of learning how to live uh, when you can't run, you can't hide, and you have, you're, you're faced with yourself in, at every moment. Um, when I moved uh, from New York City to Japan, I thought I'm moving from a country that's based on the pursuit of happiness, which is part of America's creed, to a country based on the reality of suffering, the first noble truth of the Buddha. And I think Japan is still very rooted in its Buddhist foundations, even if my Japanese neighbors know less about the texts of Buddhism than my neighbors here in California. And so I had thought as a boy growing up in England how exciting it was to spend my teens and 20s in, in the United States and to learn about possibility and the future tense and the fact you could be free of history, which is not something I felt so much growing up in England. But having learned that, I thought, well, now I was about to turn 30. It was time to learn about reality, not possibility. Possibility, the gospel of possibility is what America teaches. But I thought of going to Japan as going to spend time with a wise elder who for 1400 years had been living with earthquake, tsunami, forest fire and warfare. And Japan, I think, is an old pro when it comes to dealing with impermanence and uncertainty. And so I think uh, this coronavirus moment has been a huge shock to America because it's a very young country. And I think here in the US, we have the sense we can outline the next five years. We're on top of the world. We are masters of the universe. And I think in Japan, they never believe they're masters of the universe. They bow before the universe. They know that we are pawns in the hands of nature or the gods or fates or whatever words you happen or want to use. And, as, as I've, and, and in Japan, everybody is reminded of that all the time by 
the tsunamis and the many natural disasters that, that come along that put humans in place. Early 1990s. The multimillionaire Soichiro Fukutake decides to create what is now known as the Venice Art Site Naoshima Project in the Seto Island Sea. Tired of his life in the city, very much like Pico, he decided that he didn't want to stay in the middle of the world anymore. Bringing contemporary art to the islands was not only a way of saving its inhabitants from poverty. Fukutake was determined to create a new country in Japan, one filled with art, nature, and a slower pace of life. With more than a half of the human population now living in cities, who hasn't dreamed of escaping to a quiet place in a remote corner of the world? The fluorescent lights in offices and shopping centers don't energize us. Walking among the trees, breathing in the intense, deep aroma of the earth does. Have you ever thought about creating a new country? During the lockdown, when all the world came to a forced, painful, terrifying hold, where were you? Some of us were trapped in a flat too small to live in day after day after day of forced stay. Others were in rooms we had rented because we couldn't afford a whole flat in the city, or in tiny, dark studios in the basement. Many of us didn't even have a backyard, a tiny balcony to go out and feel the rain. The air that became warmer when spring arrived in the northern hemisphere. The only thing most of us had plenty of was hours of feeling unfocused, scared, worried, but also sometimes creative. With social and economical inequalities highlighted more than ever, what new country would you like to imagine? Could art perhaps save us the same way it saved the Naoshima archipelago and Fukutake from an affluent but unfulfilled life in Japan? One of the things that fascinated me was that, for those of you who haven't been, it's almost a 21st century cutting-edge complex of museums on a little island in the inland sea. And you go there and you see these buildings made out of windowless concrete uh, in a beautiful natural setting that looks like the 22nd century almost. But the more time you spend in those buildings, the more you realize that you're absorbing the silence you're seeing something that's all about harmony. You're taking off your shoes before you enter the room as if you were stepping into a chapel. And that really, these are the very places that I first was dreaming of when I was in New York City and hoping to move to Kyoto, places of emptiness, places of um, liberating quiet, um, and, and places that, that free the mind and open you up to something larger. And so I love Naoshima uh, for the fact that even now, 1400 years after Buddhism arrived in Japan, 
in some ways, the most modern things in Japan are based on very ancient principles. And of course, people in England are familiar with a little bit of this, but I think of Japan these days as a very old man in a Planet Hollywood t-shirt. So he's super up to the moment. He's wearing all the cool global fashions beyond anywhere else on the globe. And yet deep down, he's no less Japanese, no less old, and no less himself for all of that. And the island of Naoshima is fascinating in the context of this um, coronavirus moment. Because again, for those of you who don't know the history of it, a company that makes uh, textbooks bought up this whole neglected, forgotten fisherman's island uh, in the Inland Sea in Japan. Very neglected rural place that most Japanese had barely heard of, let alone visited. And that had really been left behind by the Industrial Revolution. So deeply impoverished and going backwards quickly. And they realized they could restore the ancient villages of these communities and the ancient traditions precisely by bringing in modern art. And, and by creating these museums that draw people from London and New York and Tokyo who come there to these remote islands and these quiet museums at some level to get away from the rat race and to remind themselves of what they've been longing for when they're in the middle of Times Square or Trafalgar Square um, or the Ginza and um, actually to connect with something much more ancestral, much older. And so what's happened over the past 20 years is constructing these museums at the center of which is very cutting edge modern art, David Hockney, Andy Warhol, those kind of things. They've brought people from elsewhere to the island. And when we go there as visitors, we go to this 17th century village at the core of it called Honmura, which is still all narrow lanes and wooden houses and, and people who've been working in the fields essentially for centuries. But we remind them of what a treasure they're living in. And the people, the classic thing that happens in countrysides everywhere is all the kids want to go to London. They want to be in tune with the moment. There's no reason for them to stay in their grandmother's house. But in Naoshima, there is. Because first, the people who live there and have lived there for generations and centuries are being reminded by those from London and Tokyo that they have many things that we're envious of and would like to have more of in our lives, starting with quiet and the solitude and the time and space in every day to reflect, which is just what many of us have been doing in lockdown. And by our presence, of course, we are bolstering their economy. And so they're not impoverished any longer. And they no longer feel that they've been left behind by the modern century. But in fact, they're in tune with it and in step with it. Um, and now this vision has spread to two surrounding islands. Um, every three years, uh, Triennale is held, linking together nine of these otherwise very distant remote islands. Um, and so it's really revived them economically, it's revived them spiritually, and it's revived all us visitors too. And so it's a wonderful model. I don't know how easily it could be incorporated elsewhere in the world, but it's a model of how old and new can have new life breathed into them at the same time by the same sort of um, enlightened uh, project. And the man who's in charge of this, who inherited it from his father, Mr. Fukutake, when you read... Um, his sentences or his vision translated into English. It's about two or three things. One of them is uh, we're all running around, we've forgotten how to be happy. And most people, even in the thick of 
Tokyo or London, especially in the thick of Tokyo and London, crying out for more space to take walks, to be with their family, to listen to music, to read a book, whatever. And he's trying to give us that. Um, he's trying to restore pride to places that feel we're from the 17th century, so we have no prospects. Um, and he's just thinking about um, new ways in which art and life can become one. Because many of the projects on the island, especially in Ashima, um, are essentially about drawing our attention to everything that's around us. Welcome to one of the most particular museums in the world. We are at the Teshima Island, one of the smaller islands in the Naoshima archipelago. This museum, designed by artist Rei Naito and architect Ryue Nishizawa, has a very particular shape, a supersized raindrop the moment it touches the ground. Shall we go in? Remember, you can't take anything with you. Anything. Leave your shoes at the door. Yes, your phone too. Don't be tempted to carry a pad, a pencil, a sketchbook. Everything must stay. Enter alone. Be quiet. No partners or friends to chat with. This may seem severe, extreme even, but it is important if you want to truly see what this museum offers you. Because once you step in, there is nothing. Only the vastness of the space, like the skeleton of a cathedral. There is an opening from which the light pours down, and occasionally the rain. Close your eyes. Smell nature. The sweetness of decay, of bloom. Concentrate on the sound of the raindrops on the dome, on the chill under your feet. This museum is not a collection of artifacts from the past. It doesn't exhibit art and objects that were brought from the other side of the world, often stolen. Here, you can admire what it may be the purest form of art, our very first inspiration, nature, the rain, the trees, the sun, witness them. Surrender. I hope you find the Teshima Museum calming, meditative. Does it remind you of something else? There is a very specific bubble of solitude that we all have come to know very well in these past months. Inside our social bubbles, we are protected and we protect others from this virus. But, do you long for the touching? Placing your hand in surfaces without thinking about it. The handrails in bars at the subway. A door knob. The tap on a public toilet. Think now of all those times you were allowed out during lockdown, if you were at all. When you could walk for an hour of allowed daily exercise. Did you also run away from the city to go to nature? A small park at the end of your street. 
a group of chestnut trees in a cemetery, one of the few quiet places without too many people. Perhaps nature seemed more striking to you this time. You started learning the names of the birds. Sparrow, Crow, Magpie, Goldfinch. Now and again, a glorious, furtive heron standing quietly next to a pond. Nature turned into a museum, a safe space for contemplation. I felt very guilty during lockdown uh, because, of course, as a writer, I practice social distancing for a living. That's all I ever do, really. Uh, and I work, I've been working from home for 34 years. And so I was, for most of lockdown, I was in Japan in our little flat, which at the best of times, as you can tell, or the worst of times, is very, very quiet. Nothing much happens. Um, and since we don't have a car, my whole life takes place just walking to the little post office down the street or the grocery shop or the place where I play ping pong and walking back. So um, I suppose I'm in permanent lockdown. And while we were in lockdown, I and my wife, of course, we were thinking mostly about the people everywhere in the world who lack relatives, lack resources, lack jobs to return to, lack roofs over their heads. And I think that was the first priority for almost everyone I know. But for the fortunate among us, um, it, it was just a slightly quieter and slightly more still version of the life we know anyway. We all know and we've been experiencing these last two months that a part of solitude is, can be sweetness and light and epiphany and a part is being lost in the wilderness, uh, surrounded by fears and loneliness and, and nowhere to turn. Um, I, I, Spending time in a monastery, I used to spend time with the great singer-poet Leonard Cohen, and one of his great lines is, um, the on you can only escape loneliness by yourself. In other words, you can only escape loneliness by going even deeper into loneliness, but that's, that's a harsh lesson, and not one that most of us are very keen to hear, though during this enforced lockdown, we had to live with that truth. an artist, maybe because views on solitude as a necessary companion in the creative process resonate with you. Yet, as Pico said, solitude and loneliness are two different experiences. As human beings, we are always seeking for connection. Our brains search for patterns everywhere we go. Situations like this COVID-19 pandemic are a perfect example of chaos and uncertainty, and they make us question why, why now? What does this mean? What can we do to get out of it? Will we ever feel at ease with the idea of traveling or touching other bodies? Japanese artist Saya Kubota understands these needs for connection. In 2013, she opened the Missing Post Office, another art installation at the Naoshima Archipelago. The Missing Post Office may be a solitary building in a tiny island on Japan's inland sea, but it receives letters from all over the world. Its mission is a simple one. It invites you to write a letter in your preferred language. 
This letter can be to anyone at all, real or imaginary, from the past, from the present or the future. Once letters arrive at the missing post office, they are carefully collected by its postman, who archives them in a beautiful sculpture meant to represent the waves of the sea. Metaphorically, the letters are thrown into the water. We humans have been talking to the sea, the trees, even the faraway stars and planets for centuries now. Understanding, although not always able to accept, that there may not be an answer, that we don't always know who is on the other side. But we do it because there is power in the stories we tell. Once they leave us and travel through the air, through the paper, they modify reality, like butterflies flapping their wings to create storms at the other side of the world. Saya Kubota said the missing post office was inspired by a poem written by Shuntaro Takinawa called 20 Billion Years of Loneliness. Let me share a few lines with you. Mankind on a little globe sleeps, awakes and works, wishing at times to be friends with Mars. Martians on a little globe are probably doing something, I don't know what. Maybe sleep sleeping, were worrying or fret fretting, while wishing at times to be friends with Earth. This is a fact I'm sure of. This thing called universal gravitation is the power of loneliness pulling together. Every day in my little neighborhood, I play games of ping pong with uh, my mostly very elderly neighbors. And as I do, I actually wrote a book about this last year called Autumn Light. My first shock was that um, we only play doubles. My second shock was we change partners every five minutes. <laughs> and my third shock was that people, of course, to make the game fun, keep track of the score of every game, but they keep no track of who's winning the games. So at the end of an hour and a half of furious activity, nobody knows who's won or lost, which means everybody is in the same sense of delight, really. And when I come back from the ping pong club, my, and my wife says, how was it? I will always say, huge fun. I'll never say I won or I lost because I don't know about that. And it's one of, again, the small ways in which um, Japan, by defining the self in terms of something much larger, a community, a country, a company, in this case, a ping pong club, um, takes the sting out of things and makes you think in terms of the, the, the benefit and the happiness of the whole rather than your own tiny little mutable sphere. So everything that happens to me in Japan forces me to see the world differently than I had in England or, or California. Um, and I'm, after 32 years, still very grateful for, for that. can't yet know what COVID-19 means and the impact it will have in our world. Yet, it has brought raw pain and loneliness, but also new connections. We are more aware of our surroundings than ever before. Many of us have gone back to nature, to a slower-paced life. 
Perhaps this COVID-19 situation is more than a battle between humanity and a virus that can be either won or lost. Think here about Pico playing ping pong with his Japanese friends, ignoring the polarity of being either a winner or a loser. Perhaps we need to think less about warfare and destruction and more about what art and creativity can do to reinvent our world. I invite you to go to a quiet space, alone, with a piece of nature, no matter how small. A potted plant in a balcony is enough, or even in the windowsill. Take pen and paper with you. Sit. Inhale. Exhale. Write. If you could imagine another world inside this one we live in, what would it be? Thank you very much for being with us for this episode of the World Series podcast at Litro. Many thanks to Pico Ayer for giving us his time to interview him. Thank you as well to Jane Marshall, Serene Allen and Erica Cotto for their collaboration in creating this podcast. Thank you to the blog Sweatshirt Poesy for their translation on Takinawa's poem. To stay in touch, please follow us on social media and Spotify. Mm-hmm.